Welcome back to the Hoops Temple Podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz, and joining me to break down the 51st through 75th greatest shooting guards of all time, Aaron Schroeder. Good to see you, Nate. What a thing to do. What a way to spend a Friday night. You know, it's um, it's one way to spend a Friday night. Do you ever think that people wonder, like, why, why don't these guys have lives? Like, the one's married, the other one has a girlfriend. Like, shouldn't shouldn't they be spending time with them instead of, instead of doing this? <laughs> She's off with her family right now. She's occupied. I, I had the, the freedom to do such a project. Oh, my, uh, my wife is taking the dogs for a walk. So we've got, like, an hour. All right. Maybe. Depends if they melt. Does she does she know you're doing this? Is this is a secret? No, no, she, it's a secret she knows. operation. <laughs> she knows. We're, hey, uh, some people some people do much worse things. You just get caught recording podcasts. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, uh, cheating on you. I promise it wasn't a podcast. I was doing drugs. I was. I'm, I'm doing was it a podcast? Was it a podcast again? Porn. <laughs> yeah. No. Just uh, just recording an NBA podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. So. I suppose we probably, what might be best is to look at some of the last guys that we discussed, uh, because we've ranked through 50. And so 45 through 50, we're looking at some some older players, some ABA guys. We've got Richie Gurren, Ron Boone, Donnie Freeman, Randy Smith, World Be Free, and Michael Red. So kind of our baseline for this is people who are worse than Michael Red. Worse than Michael Red. Red does have that single on NBA season. He reaches a pretty high level for a couple years there. At this point in the list, you're lucky for a few All-Star appearances, two or three if you're lucky. If you get to All-NBA caliber, we're going to get rid of you pretty quickly. This This cluster of guys is a lot of also those guys that make one or like hey they could have made one if they were in the other conference and like this is the 23rd guy to be named an all-star not like the fifth guy to be named an all-star for these years but um we do have one notable modern name uh which might actually be able to make a case to be higher than michael red at this point we want to get jalen brown off the board first i think it's the right place to start we had started this project long ago Long, long ago, before, really before Jalen Brown's pretty incredible season this year, he took the most shots of his career, shot the highest percentage in the field for his career, career high in points, obviously, as a result, career high in rebounds as well. He was all NBA and in turn earned this massive extension, but also his run in the playoffs last year, averaging 23, 7, and 3, 47% shooting had games in the finals where you couldn't find Jason Tatum, but you could find Jalen Brown. He really dictated the pace for the Celtics. I think it's a great spot. Locking them in. Ben, do you have a nomination for 52? I'm interested to see where you go here because there, I do feel like there are, there's like 10 to 12 guys here that are kind of better. And then there's like 25 guys that throw a dart at a board and give me a name. But who's your 52? I'm looking for another modern player, another all-NBA caliber guy. I went with, Vic, I went, I went with Victor Oladipo. Oh. Two-time All-Star, third-team All-NBA. But that 2018 season, he's also the steel champ. Gets most improved, not as well. 23 points, 5 boards, 4 assists, 2.4 steals. Really doing it all. 34 minutes a night in that Pacers team is, is pretty respectable at 48 wins. I felt good about that. I, I understand what you're seeing as far as the peak, that, that high-end potential. And I, I think you probably take that season and match it up one-to-one against a lot of these guys' best years. And you're not going to find another guy with that best year. But that second All-Star year, what is it, like 35 games because he gets hurt early? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he's just never the same. He has he has another year where he puts up a good statistical average when he gets traded from Indiana to Houston to Miami and, and like kind of bounces around. But we all know we were here. We watched it. Those those averages mean nothing. He's basically hasn't played since 2019. We're tw- halfway through 2019. Since that entire 2018 season, um, he's played in 138 games. That's 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023. Yeah. Gets you 138 games. You're looking like a season and a half, essentially, and he hasn't really been good for any of that. But I like the LNBA season. That's pretty rare to find. If there's another guy with better longevity, I'd be interested. Well, can I interest you in a Paul Seymour? Uh, we're talking about a guy from the early 40s, well, 48 to 60. Uh, he makes two All-NBA teams, uh, three All-Star teams, misses out on two All-Star teams just because the, the All-Star hasn't been invented yet. Um, but he's also one of the better players on the 54 Finals run team. He actually potentially is the best player on a team that goes to Game 7 of the NBA Finals. And then... In 55, he leads the team in minutes per game in the finals, as well as assists per game. Uh, I think he's more like the third-ish guy, but we're talking about one of the better players in the league. Also, a really high-level contribution to winning. And uh, he hits a 42-foot logo shot in the finals. Close to win, was it game two of 54? Yeah, game two of 54. So, like, great highlight to watch. Can't, Can't get that much film on him, but nice logo jump shot. For sure. Those early 50s years, or really that entire era, is just is hard to pin down. He's 12th in points per game, 53 with, with uh, 14.2. And these are pre-shot clock stuff. And really, before the league reacted violently to the shot clock being instated, it was just an absurd pace. So the numbers are a bit hard to knock down. But um, he has the points per game. He has the assists per game. If you think this is the right call, I, I, I'd want to do it. I can do that. Yes. All right. Lock him in at 52. Um, I, I had Oladipo quite a ways down. Just due to the due to the fact that it's like one year and nothing else. Um, who are some of the other names you got on your board? Let's let's make some compromise. Let's make some deals. I had Tom Gola, then Jeff Hornacek. Okay, interesting. I I had um, Doug Collins, Jeff Hornacek, and then Tom Gola. How far down is uh, Doug Collins for you? Collins is sixty first. Okay, it's not too bad though. That's not too bad. That's manageable. We definitely have some. So by the time we do Hornacek and Gola, we can start to talk again. Yeah. So let's, uh, who'd you have first? You went Gola first? Yeah, I did have Gola. I, I do love me some Gola. Five-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA. He's kind of like Mr. Philadelphia before uh, before Wilt gets there. He's known as Saint Gola. Um, he, he also is like, he's a player that coaches and fans rave about that he played the right way. He's an offensive-focused guard. Well, you know, um, Johnston and Paul Arizon are are scoring in a bunch. He's like a do everything player and a guy that quote unquote plays the right way. He was absolutely disgusted playing with Wilt um, and, and like the story of a player just throwing a ball against the wall and then doing nothing and being asked why are you doing that. He's like, well, that's our offense now that Wilt's here. That's that's Tom Gola kind of just being upset that this is what his life is reduced to now that Wilt is here. I could be really happy locking him in at 53. That sounds good. You're looking at someone who also averaged 10 plus rebounds per game three times. So he's getting 15 points, 10 boards, and five assists. At 6'6", that's a really tall shooting guard for the 50s. Oh, yeah. I mean, 6'5 was a tall power forward in the 50s, like early 50s. So, you know, the fact that he's 6'6 and a shooting guard in this era is, is giant. 
I think that means Jeff Hornacek, so our 54. Sounds like we've got quite a bit of consensus there. You want to give me the, the Jeff Hornacek case? Sure thing. With Hornacek, you're looking at a really high-level impact player on offense. He just has one all-star appearance, but he's about 15 points, about five assists for his career. In Phoenix, his first in, spends his first six seasons there. He's getting that 92 all-star nod. He gets traded for Barkley, but that team is really good prior, making conference finals whatnot. And really, he's the best player on that 92 team, at least in terms of playing the most minutes, scoring the most points. He's 20 points, five assists, five boards. He gets traded to Philadelphia. They trade him then to Utah, and he helps elevate that Utah team to some of the best offensives ever with him, Stockton, and Malone. It was this three-headed monster you really couldn't stop, and he had that impact on winning, both in Phoenix and in Utah, and age 23 to 36, he's always putting up pretty good numbers. He, he does have some playoff uh, shortcomings. Just, just looking at that uh, 79 and, or not 79, 97 and 98 finals, he, game three of 97, one for nine from the floor, game five of the finals, two for 11, game four of 98, uh, he's, or he's in, in 98, he's got four games shooting 37 and a half percent or worse. Like him falling apart in the finals may have been a, a decent reason why they weren't ever able to get past Jordan, the bulls. And you know, the fact that he's being guarded by Jordan may have had something to do with that, but like that that's important in my mind of like looking back at these guys and like Jordan impacted history. This, he doesn't beat scrubs, you know, and we're talking about the 54th best uh, shooting guard of all time. And, and Jordan kind of punks him. And it's, it, it adds to people's legacy in my mind to talk about the guys that they beat and, and give them their props. And so you're hundred percent right before Jeff arrives in Utah, they are alternating fourth or seventh best offensive rating for the kind of four prior years. It goes seven, four, four, seven. Uh, and then once he gets there, they're the second best, second best, and the first best offensive rating team because he adds that scoring element, that shooting to him. So I love he adds it. that depth. Lock in nineteen ninety seven, in ninety seven, that Jazz team, or sorry, the ninety eight Jazz are tied for the fourth highest relative offensive rating ever. That's plus seven point seven. And he's starting. He's starting all eighty two games for that team. We're not going to have a superstar here. We're not going to have a player that is going to lead their team to to much of anything. What we're looking at with this cluster of guards is kind of, hey, second guard on a bad team, um, third guard on a good team, fourth person on like a great team. And like, you know, he's he is kind of third on a great team. So that's that's a good spot for him right here. Are you how's at Ola, the how's Oladipo at this point? Still pretty far down. And, and I'm, I'm just kind of interested to hear a little bit more of your logic with him, because in my mind, we've got a lot of other guys who I think hit 90-ish percent of the peak, but have done it for like a lot more years. I'm not sure about that. I think what we're looking at Oladipo is like a true number one guy on both sides of the ball on a team that almost went, won 50 games. And they pushed LeBron James and the Cavs to seven games that year. Mm -hmm. You're not getting that from any of these other guys. Hornacek's not doing that. And those, I mean, those Suns teams are, are stacked with him. And then when he goes to Philadelphia, they win 26 games. Like that's what Hornacek's able to do on those teams. Oladipo yeah. hit the different level. Those Pacers teams aren't that great. He was dominating on both sides of the ball, and, the, and then it, it all went up. If he had had, if he had one extra All NBA season, if he finishes that 2019 season, he's without a doubt even higher on this list. But a absolutely, yeah. I mean, if he has that second year, and, and, but he just he doesn't. He doesn't have that second year. But he was like, pretty good before that. I mean, he was fine. He was, he, he he's playing. I mean, that that's not his first season. Yeah, and the 18 Cavs also. 
we're not one of the better calves. I mean, like I, I was looking back and trying to do the the cross comparison between the two. Um, and, and the year before he gets to Indiana, they're forty two and forty with Paul George. Uh, also a, a very different starting lineup. There's a lot of other changes. It's not just Oladipo, but they're forty two and forty the year before, and they get swept by the Cavs. Then they're forty eight and thirty four with Oladipo. And they push the Cavs to seven. But it's also the Cavs with Kyrie versus without Kyrie. It's, yeah. you know, I mean. They push Oladipo. him to seven. It's a legitimate seven, too. In that game seven, Oladipo has 30 points, 12 boards, and six assists with three steals on 10 of 21 shooting. He does Four all he can. Four for nine from three. He, he does. Four for nine from three. And Lance Stevenson comes in with a plus minus of negative 19 when he's replacing Oladipo. They, that, they, they lose that game by four. Oladipo's a plus one. It just, it's like big game seven against the, against the team who went to the final. It's just so brief. It, I mean, it, it, it is, it is All right, one Well, let's, let's hang on a little bit longer. We'll hang on a little bit longer, but he shouldn't fall out of the top six. Okay, okay. I, I, I think I can squeeze him into the top 60. All right. Um, well, I, I guess really I got to kind of ask you, um, my next guy would be Doug Collins. What, okay. what are your thoughts on Doug? I feel pretty good about that. It's it's pretty brief as well, but he does have a handful of all-star selections, and he's really, really good in the 77 playoff run, playing a ton of minutes. His efficiency is really great, and that's a huge part of why that team turns into a like kind of meh regular season into this finals run, in which they, they almost take, off the, take the top off the Blazers. I'd be okay with that. You know, if you look at him, he's got four all-star appearances. He retires at 29 due to foot and left knee injuries. Uh, in 77, he's arguably the second best player um, on the 76ers. He's, it's he's, McGinnis, but not in the finals. It's McGinnis, yeah, McGinnis for the rest of the season. For the regular season, McGinnis falls apart in the playoffs. Um, Daryl Dawkins, I found this wonderful Daryl Dawkins quote about him. Uh, and it, it goes, a lot of people look at me kind of crazy when I say this. But if Doug didn't hurt his foot several times in a row, he would have been as good as Larry Bird. Doug could shoot, play defense, take charges, strip guys, and flat out run. That's a hell of a quote. Right on finding that one. It's it's a quote from a teammate. So, you know, you can find quotes from teammates saying that Kwame Brown's the next Shaq during their playing time. But like... Yeah, we should do that. And every time we find a quote where someone's like, he's so good. Find another quote where they said, actually, like... like It sucks. Kenny Martin was as good as Tim Duncan. And you're like, okay, like maybe maybe we shouldn't yeah. trust these sources. Yeah, but but I think that gives you you know kind of some context because he is actually a really good defensive player, and that's one of the things that a lot of guys talk about. He does have the passing and the shooting ability. He's just an all around player, and he's done he does it for four seasons. I kind of I prefer that to Oladipo. All right, that sounds good. So that would be uh, fifty five for Colin. That'd be fifty five. My next couple of names, and, and this is going to be a preference mm-hmm. thing for us to kind of sure. decide how much we we care about it. I, I guess not my next couple of names, but a, a few of my next couple of names: um, Ron Harper and Byron Scott, both guys who individually not great, not not as peak of seasons, but long careers and lots of contributions to winning. Yeah, those uh those guys had their moments in the playoffs, and especially Scott. I had Reggie Lewis next. I think we went for kind of different approaches here. When I started digging deep, I'm looking for the flashes of brilliance, the single mm-hmm. seasons of a high level where you kind of mm-hmm. wanted more of a collective. But Lewis in 92, he's an all-star, all 82 games, 21 points, two assists, five boards, 37 minutes a night. Then come playoff time, knocks off Reggie Miller's Pacers, averaging 28, 4, and 3, then goes to 7 with the Cavs in the second round, averaging 28, 4, and 4. I like that over anything Scott did. And that's a 51-win Celtics team. 
that Lewis is leading. And you think about just a side tangent, that Celtics group. The Celtics don't have as many championships as the Lakers. A huge part of that is that they're two like saviors after the Bird and McHale era. They just die. Those yeah. guys just pass away. And, and this is insane thing. I feel like people never, I mean, people talk about it, but it's never like, hey, remember when like the Celtics were really good and then both their really awesome players passed away in like horrible, tragic fashion. I, I mean, you're you're 100% right. People do not talk about it enough. Uh, I actually was on TikTok and saw, I want to say, uh, Rob of B-Ball Archives is doing uh, a bit on Reggie Lewis and how he, he guarded Jordan like as well as anyone because he is like a six foot nine shooting guard with length and speed. Sorry, he's only six seven, but it did get me thinking about his defensive prowess. I, I could be talked into it. I could see it. Um, that 92 all-star or yeah, 92 season in the playoffs, he is averaging 28 points per game in which uh, it's just a crap ton of points. It's for a, a first time all-star. I'm, I'm interested. Take the bait. Do it. Okay. I have to at least, at least make the case for Byron Scott as a Lakers sure. fan. I can't just let you sneak a Celtic <laughs> in there when I'm trying, <laughs> That's to make true. A, trying to make a case for a Laker. Um, for Byron Scott from 85 to 89, he's averaging 17 points. Point nine points per game. So a, a good five-year. Um, and he really comes into his own in that 85 season. Western Conference Finals, he actually leads the team in scoring. And this is not too uncommon. There's a number of series where he leads the Lakers in scoring uh, kind of after Kareem starts to decline. And James Worthy, I I'm, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. I find James Worthy a bit overrated. Uh, but but Scott's kind of like the nice blend that never gets the the credit because it's it's worthy takes over scoring yes and no Scott also ha- has a big role he leads them again in '88 in the Western Conference second round he leads them um, in a couple of other series that I got uh, marked down here and and he has like really big game seven performances is um, that Western Conference second round 29 points on 12 for 19 huge key starter on 87 and 88 um, and, and then I, I was texting you a little bit about this he doesn't play in the, the 89 finals he is hurt uh, and misses it and so the Pistons in 88 lose to the Lakers in seven and then 89 they sweep the Lakers and, and we always hear about oh well the sacrifice and it was trading out uh Dantley for you know but we don't ever really talk about how the fact that magic plays basically one game and byron scott misses the whole series and that's the lakers backcourt and and the team just completely falls apart it's it's closer to the raptors winning in 2019 than i think any other series i've looked at i remember in the bill simmons book of basketball he had like the best teams and he said there's like four at the top and one of them is the the 89 pistons team and as much as i respect his opinion i couldn't I couldn't get there because of that. It's the same reason I didn't have the 2015 Warriors on my list, my top 30 teams ever list. And they they were like 32nd or something. But who you play in the finals just matters to me. It matters mm-hmm. less than it used to, but it still matters to the point where I'm like, this team, there's their sweep of the finals is kind of fraudulent. But Scott just got finished taking taking it to the Suns with Jeff Hornacek on it. Um, in the Western Conference Finals, averaging 25-4-2 on a 58% shooting. I mean, he works perfectly with Magic on the wings. These guys are just getting open look after open look, and he's hitting them. But but he's never an all-star caliber guard. He's playing oh. 28. He's playing... He plays... He, he never gets named to an all-star team. Yeah. I, I would say that when we're looking at these guys, and we're looking at a lot of these guys being like one- or two-time all-stars... A lot of that's conference, and a lot of that's you know who else. Yeah, no, are you playing that's with true. It? And the he's, West, he's playing with Magic. That's one spot. Uh, that's that's one spot. Uh, you got John Stockton. You've got Gary Payton, and out for those late '80s, early '90s, you've you've got some good 
guards out there or that um you know, it started to start to take up those spots so how you want to do this you want to go with more of the the peak or you want to go with a little bit more of the contributions and the the winning i'm gonna take the peak I, I really am i feel like that's the right thing to do i'm comfortable having scott pretty close but scott averages 20 or more points per game in a playoff series four times lewis does that one two three four five six times and it sits in a quarter of the time it's 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 better faster quicker sooner okay can i just say though i hate the argument of he did it in less time like you can just you just go with he did it but this like (laughs) i've seen this crop up a lot of like jordan won six rings in 13 seasons and lebron only won five and i'm like so what you win when you're at your peak and like that it it just i i think it's a dumb argument that doesn't actually contribute much yeah if we we want to say reggie did it more reggie did it more we'll we'll take it all right so then you want reggie at 56 or i'd rather go oladipo at 56 okay let's let's do that then we'll do oladipo at 56 and reggie at 57 then can i uh get in ron harper and uh byron scott did you have those guys uh like pretty much back to back or did you see much of a split between them it was harper and yeah that that's that's those guys are coming up that's that's the right move i am kind of interested I, I've got Dan Marley just behind them, but ahead of where I had uh, Oladipo and Reggie Lewis. So I, I could be talked into it um, okay. if that's that's the preference. You know, three-time All-Star. Kind of really only has like four good seasons. But he's always good on defense. The offensive punch is what gets him the All-Star appearances. But Yeah, it's, it's really interesting reading about him at different points in his careers. And I've got books at like different intervals. And, you know, the Thunder Dan, like my, <laughs> my book in 92. It's it's a lot about how explosive and how athletic and how attacking he is and how um, he's just going to burst past you and, hey, you can't give him space because he's got the shot, but like maybe you give him space so that way you don't end up on every kid's wall on a poster. <laughs> yeah. And then the like my book on 96 is where it talks about him. It's like, yeah, you know, you're going to live with him burning you sometimes, but like do not give up that shot uh, because he's now a little bit older and he's aged and he's he doesn't have it. But one of them has this uh, this passage on him uh, that he can do it all. Handles the ball with confidence, rebounds well, plays relentless defense, and there is no downplaying the emotional lift his work ethic, all-out hustle, and physical style provides for his teammates. That's the kind of player we're looking for at this stage. Boom, so would you 58. like to do Scott and then Marley, or Marley and then Scott? Or who would you like more? Um, I, I initially went Harper scott marley i just wasn't gonna let you slip a celtic over a laker without making a, <laughs> making a case yeah making a scene sorry so what do we what, what have we decided i realize harper is also a laker but like he's a laker kind of and but not in the same way scott is a laker. uh I, I could do i could do marley at 58 ron harper at 59 and scott at 60 that sounds good ron harper such an interesting career starts off as this super athletic guard for the Cavs this feisty young Cavs team transitions over to purely a bench guy the form of a defensive specialist and he was always good on defense but I've never seen someone's offensive responsibilities go from from pretty heavy to basically zero contributed to winning at both levels was he end up with five rings three from the Bulls two from the Lakers it's really quite dramatic because he goes from 20 points per game uh to, to what's the drop off it's like nine it's, it's like one of the largest single season drop-offs without like a massive injury I've, I've ever seen digging back on players careers and he just wants to win it's it's the self-sacrifice it's hey i could probably be an all-star on a 30 win team you know if you if you stripped away mark price you stripped away larry nance brad doherty 
like, yeah, he'll get, he could get 25 points a night and maybe be named an all-star, but they're kind of meaningless. And he says, I don't want that for my career. I want to, I want to win. And so goes and plays in Chicago and then follows Phil Jackson to LA. And uh, there's, there's a play, the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, that's it's a lob to Shaq basically from Brian Shaw, but uh, it's it, it's a classic, and you can find highlights of it. It's one of my favorites to watch. Shaw Shaq Redemption. Thank you. That that's yeah. that's that's good. All right, so we have that's sixty fifteen more spots. And Nate, do you know the four All NBA guards in nineteen eighty four? Nineteen eighty four. Um, I do not. Can you give me fifth? Can you give me? Give me three of them, and I'll tell you the fourth. Uh, I mean, I'm going to assume Magic. Yeah, first 84 team. is Jordan's draft year, so it's it's not Jordan yet. Um, gosh. Sidney Moncrief. Yeah, he's second team. You're missing the other first teamer. I'm missing the other first teamer. God, it's just such one a, of the best, a big... He's one of the best players ever. You're, you're familiar. Why am I not thinking of this? We talked about I, I... it like five minutes ago. <laughs> we talked about like... five minutes ago? <laughs> like ten minutes ago? No, we didn't. I don't know if we referenced his name, but referenced you know his team and his winning and. I'm I'm drawing a blank on guards. I'm thinking of all of the bigs. I'm like, uh, I'm like thinking uh, Larry Bird, uh, Doug, well, uh, Julius Irving, uh, you know the Moses Malone. We talked about Magic got hurt. And then the other team won. That other team. Oh, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. But that's that's yeah. the NBA guards. But the fourth is Jim Paxson. Mm, interesting. You're making the Paxson case here. The Paxson case. I just thought that was really impressive to be in the conversation with those guys. 84, he is all 81 or 81 games, 33 minutes a game, 21 points, three assists, two boards on a team that's able to win 48 games. He's our leading scorer. You're digging into an interesting little brand here because there's those guys that um, are, are the first for teams. Uh, so Paxson is known as the first blazer and he's the first blazer to score 10,000 points. He's one of the early guys is on the team um, or no, sorry. He's not one of the first. Sorry. I'm getting, getting my guys mixed up. There, there's a whole cluster of firsts in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dick Van Arsdale, um, Jerry Sloan, uh, but those are more sixties guys. Yeah. I just got it. Because he's the first Blazer to score ten thousand points because they keep falling apart with injuries. <laughs> he he's the post Walton pre Drexler star really, and that's that's it's not great and legendary, but that's why we're talking about him on the fifty to seventy five pod. But he is an all star in eighty three as well, so he does have the respect prior, and I believe he gets hurt the next season, and then it starts to go immediately downhill, and he retires in nineteen ninety. But eighty four, eighty three, back to back all stars, second team All NBA, pretty impressive stuff. Looking at his playoffs. An 83 against the Lakers. First, they beat Seattle. He averages 25 points, three assists, and three boards. They win a best of three in two games. Then second round versus the Lakers, 22 points, two boards, 2.6 assists on 56% shooting. It's one of it's an interesting kind of shooting guard that isn't really doing anything else but shooting at a high rate, mm-hmm. scoring at high efficiency. But you still need those guys, and I feel pretty good about him. Could I interest you in a Dick Van Arsdale, the original son? No. No? No. He really couldn't. As much as I respect, I mean, those are, those Suns teams are, are awful. They're terrible. He's the, he's the all-star on those teams because they win 21 games. As soon as those teams are, are anything worth anything, he's not an all-star anymore. He's not close to it. That's fair. He's also playing with an expansion team. And that yeah. is just, there's a lot of guys like that. No other talent uh, around him. And he's still putting up a very efficient 20 points per game. Like he is, he is hmm. plus a thousand 
uh, true shooting added. So like what well, we're looking at Jim Paxson and he's dancing with with efficiency lines like mm-hmm. over under. Um, and, and he's he's got a brief stint where he's good. I mean, it's it's three good teams, 45, 46, 48, or not that. That's how many wins they get, 45 wins, 46, 48 in those early 80s. And then by 85, he's he's no longer a starter and just kind of falls off. Which Van Arsdale brother was this? This is Dick. Dick. I think I think Tom Van Arsdale uh, actually played more games at small forward. Uh, and so he is not on this list for us to consider. Either that or I might just must up. Yeah, he, he is classified as a small forward for us. Yeah. For Arsdale, for Dick Van Arsdale, I mean, he's on some okay Knicks teams and he's not really anything special then he gets dropped onto these Phoenix teams makes three straight all-star appearances but because they win 16 games then 39 games actually isn't too bad and then back to is that 40 maybe I messed that up maybe you're onto something no they get Connie Hawkins hmm. they yeah. get Connie Hawkins okay yeah they get Connie Hawkins and Paul Silas pretty interesting they built up so quickly he is an all-star on that team but you know a lot of those teams did like Chicago um yeah pretty Chicago quickly after they yeah all right all right um so you're not not a fan of Dick Van Arsdale can I offer you <laughs> an equally meaningless uh season sure and I say season um <laughs> I should say career but I'm just saying season <laughs> uh Jerry Stackhouse Stackhouse that that one season I still think it's impressive Grant Hill gets hurt pretty quickly and that's like the only other Mm -hmm. offensive option they had and it's left Stackhouse to take every single shot I'm not super into it we can go on to the next guy I had which was um, Alan Houston I have Houston Houston is the guy I have right behind Jim Paxson into my list okay Houston is a two-time all-star we got that right two-time all-star um in 2001 he's kind of the same blend of Paxson where he's scoring at a high clip but really not much else but that 99 finals versus the Spurs he's 21 points three boards three assists 43 percent shooting had been pretty good all throughout that playoff run yeah I think actually the more I look at him more I think about it I'd kind of rather have Houston over Jim Paxson just from a he is really impactful in the 99 finals run the 2000 and 2001 teams which are the years that he's an all-star they're both 50 win seasons or I think it's 50 and like 40 something 48 no what is it uh, i know i wrote it down 15 48 um and, and he's the number one or number two guy it's him and latrell spreewell also uh from it, just just the longevity of the score from 96 to 04 he's 19 points per game with 40.4 percent from uh from three on four attempts which is pretty high volume i know it's started to crank up he's a great time, shooter great great shooter I, I could get him over stackhouse i could get it I'm over some of these guys. I guess the one that I'm, I'm maybe a little bit struggling with is downtown Freddie Brown. Told you I was going to fight to keep Freddie Brown high. I like Fred Brown. Is he the one that played only for the Sonics? Yes. Okay. I like Uh-oh. that. I like him. Um, give me the Fred Brown case really quickly because I, I have pretty significantly back. So Fred Brown, and, and this is not the case for him, but this is just an interesting fact that I wanted to start off with. They don't have the three-point line until his, his last year. He shoots 44.3% from the three-point line. Okay, yeah, so just the first year that they have it. Um, he, he's shooting 44, or that 1980. But, like, man, if this guy went to the ABA, he's just going to be jacking so many more shots. Um, we also can look, and he is a, a high-level contributor in 78 when they make the finals. Uh, the previous year, or not previous year, two years prior, 76. Once again, 28.5 points per game. And I got a Pat Riley quote for him. Sure. Uh, he's, the t- he's the type of player who's some... Sometimes becomes uncanny. Even if you do a great job on him, he might get 30. I remember one, 
a night. He got 19 points on me in the fourth quarter, and I was playing him end line to end line. Once he gets going with those jumpers on uh, the double pumps, he's tough to stop. And like that's kind of the story. I, I get better Lou Williams vibes from from downtown Freddie Brown. I know that's not like we're not talking about Lou Williams in this this time but like it's he's just a microwave scorer that can absolutely light it up for years he also is tied with westbrook for the most points in franchise history in 1974 march 23rd against the warriors he dropped 58 on 24 of 37 shooting on rick barry's skull <laughs> yeah can we can we lock in freddie brown at 61 and then i'll sure. give you jim paxson and uh alan houston back to sure. back perfect see we're moving right along here I don't know why you thought this was going to be so cantankerous or contentious or other words. All right. Well, at this point, the three guys, three highest guys left on my board are players. We've discussed two of them, Dick Van Arsdale, Jerry Stackhouse, uh, and Steve Smith. Who are the top three on your board left? I had Reggie Theus, Phil Smith, and then you know what? This is just someone I put a little bit higher than they should be, just because at some point we have to acknowledge that defensive players matter too. And when you get out to this point, maybe, maybe being awesome on defense is worth it. And so I put Michael Cooper here just to talk about him. Whoa. That's not that, it's, <laughs> that's not that crazy. He was in the I... list of guys you sent me. No, he was not. Yes, he was. He should have been. <laughs> He's okay. Five-time champ, eight-time all-defense defensive player of the year. At some point, we'd have to like talk about him. I put him this high to have the conversation earlier in the podcast and just start to float out that maybe defense matters too. I'm not ready for I him mean, quite yet, but... It does matter, but it's also like, if it matters, it needs <laughs> to matter to the team. Um, and, and like we just got through Byron Scott. Yeah. And like Coop is playing 25 to 30 minutes a night in the playoffs, and, and Scott is like 35 to 40. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Maybe we'll sneak him in later. But I mean, like, I have Danny Ainge, like 73. I'm okay taking Cooper over Danny Ainge. It gets it gets dark. It gets it gets dark and scary later on this list. And maybe maybe a defensive specialist should get some shine. I mean, to be fair, at my 70s spot, I, I'm nominating someone who is 824th in the Matrix. So. Oh, is it Drazen Petrovic? No, it's not. Uh, although... Uh, should we have had Drazen on here? No. Did we miss, did we miss that out? Drazen's great um but he's he's got great potential i guess i should say uh because we're looking at those second uh, 92 and 93 he makes an all-nba team he does in 93 but he what didn't make the all-star so it's like it's a slow ramp up that gets him there uh and yeah. he also kind of falls apart in the 93 playoffs it's okay it, it, he'll I, I think he could make the top 100 but i don't think yeah. he'll make the top 75 okay yeah it's 290 games and the first half isn't even that special okay all right how about Reggie Theus, though? Because I do feel pretty good about that. I'm going to edit the Kings all-time draft I did with Jack after this. Uh, the I, I ended up with Theus on my team. You did a Kings all-time draft with Jack? Yeah, I did. When? It was after the Lisco podcast. I did it right after. We went back-to-back. -back. Yeah. Remember that? I could have sworn I said something. No. No, How I have to edit it. you have on your hands? <laughs> Not that. It was, it was really short. It was, I think I did Lisco's at at 10 and that ended at like that ended at like 11 and then jack was was noon and it ended at like one it's an hour each it's the lisco podcast was 26 minutes at the end i know it's just just the prep work the content the that's the thing i don't do any i don't do any prep work <laughs> oh my 
I'm not prepping for this shit. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, you, you I'm had a, to have done some prep work. I did. I, I was prep much. I, well, lower. I already had. I had that project done. Um, like okay. my, my best kings ever, and so I kind of had that. But honestly, there's there's so few kings. Like I took Sabonis. He ended up taking Brad Miller, and that kind of left Demarcus out to dry because we weren't going to play two centers. So. I ended up taking him later on because I couldn't say no. But hey, now, he took Brad did Miller. You draft. Um, Wait, you guys took Brad Miller over Demarcus Cousins? <laughs> hey, I didn't take him. It's a, I didn't. I didn't make that pick. Terrible pick. He took Weber, then Fox. I took. I took Mitch Richmond. Then you want to hear the teams? Oh, is it only Kings from Sacramento? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, that that's an important. It was eighty six. Yes, because I, I, I mean, I'm teams? thinking. I'm like, you got to go with like Oscar for, or not no. Oscar. You got to go with um, Archwell. Like, like there's older guys. No, no. Yeah. I'll, I'll hear it when when I listen okay. to the pod Wonderful. before I post it. Let's right. let's keep going here. Because uh, we just okay. locked in Allen Houston at, at sixty three. Give me a Reggie Theus case. I have him down at seventy four, so I don't like it. But you don't like it? How heartbreaking. Um, with Theus, two time All Star, all rookie in seventy nine. How heartbreaking. You his be heartbroken. <laughs> his career pretty much blazed flat over the eighties, so it helps him a bit. But he's I'm pretty sure in the top five for assists per game in that decade. Someone that could get you twenty points, but also upwards of eight nine assists per game. He's given two All Star nods in Chicago. But the most important thing is he makes the playoffs in, in Sacramento for the Kings in Sacramento once in Kansas City other time. That's really impressive. But the other thing is he's making the playoffs in Chicago just one time, which sucks, but he's still getting all-star nods. And that kind of matters to me. I, I, I find it impressive when guys, despite their team not being very good, are respected and given that nod. Because the 83 Bulls have been 28 games because, um, I mean... Nate, can you name me a, a, a 1983 bull? I'll give you uh, an four. hour. <laughs> um, no, probably, probably not. Dave Corzine, Dave Gradewood, Orlando Woolrich, oh, Quentin Orlando Daly. Orlando Woolrich. Yeah, I could have gotten there. Maybe. He plays 57 games. He, he starts in just 38 games. He's not playing. He's playing 20 minutes a game. He's Jordan's... The, that first season, he's kind of Jordan's number two, where like they're the the two wing combo. And I I did a video on that not too long ago. Rod Higgins, Ronnie Lester, Tracy Jackson, Dwight Jones, Dudley Bradley, Juwan Oldham, Mike Bratz, Larry Keenan, which I don't know how he made it this far, um, and Larry Spriggs. Spriggs? Larry? Yeah. Keenan's only three years old in in eighty three. Yeah. Like that's that's not that surprising. But it's just Theus doing like his best, and they they give him that all star. Not I think that's really impressive. Is it more impressive than Jerry Stackhouse though? Come on. It's that's just the one season for Stackhouse. And the thing is, is is Theus is good for a really long time. I mean, his entire career. He really never dips below like sixteen points per game. He averages for a thousand games, eighteen and a half points, six assists, and three boards. He's always contributed. Even at the very end, ninety one in New Jersey, he starts every single game. 18 half points, five assists, three points. Just on such bad team. Like, sure. Is, is it too much to, to ask that the teams get kind of better? I mean, he makes. <laughs> I mean, but look at this point. You got to, I mean, even like Jerry Stackhouse's Pistons still make the playoffs. And Theus is, I just read you the roster of a team he was an all star on. And that team is awful, is horrible. You don't know any of those people. No, no, but never. He never gets. To play with better better players, he never makes the team he better. Plays he can for never the, he, get a team to the playoffs. Like he plays guy. for the pre-Jordan Bulls and the Kings, Nate. The pre-Jordan Bulls and the Kings. So? Be nice. <laughs> also, when he gets to the playoffs, you, you want to talk about those, uh, those shooting splits in the playoffs? They're not great, but at that point, the 
he's getting focused on. They they know what's coming. So the team around in, him in, sucks, Nate. <laughs> in eighty one, he's got that's uh, Artis Gilmore. He shoots forty four percent from the floor. In eighty four, sure he might have no one. We're talking thirty nine percent. Eighty six, thirty nine percent. Eighty nine. 36%. Like, come on. Yeah, he shoots 41% in the playoffs, but he only plays in 17 playoff games. These are such small sample size. Also, 86 that year that he makes it with the Kings, uh, the assists dropped down to 6.3 assists, and he's 4.7 turnovers. And they, that 86 Rockets team beats your Lakers. They beat your yeah. Lakers, and they beat Magic Johnson and Kareem and James Worthy and Byron Scott. I'm asking for Reggie <laughs> Diaz to be... <laughs> They, they they handle the Lakers, and you're like, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Reggie, Theus could, Reggie Theus couldn't get it done. This guy that... You're making a case for him being an all-time great because he makes I'm the not. playoffs. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. He's, well, 60, I mean, he's 64th. He's going to be like 298th on our list. He's probably not going to be top 300. You actually want to know what he's in the Matrix? What? 291. Probably... So t- 298. That was a, that's a, <laughs> a, a solid guess. See, it's pretty good. I'm just saying for a team that, you know, if you're complaining about his playoff numbers dropping, your Lakers lost to that team. They beat you guys too. And you had Magic Johnson. Yeah. That was an inexcusable loss. Okay, okay. You want to do this? You want to see what Magic <laughs> did against them first? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about what Magic Johnson is going to do. All right, we need to move on. We need to pick somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thoughts on Steve Smith? I like Steve Where, Smith. Where'd you have Smith? I had him at 68, which is pretty exactly. pretty close. I just had a, I know you like Steve Smith. The only people I actually had over him was um, Reggie Theus, Phil Smith, and Frank Ramsey. Interesting. Frank Ramsey. I wasn't expecting a Frank Ramsey case. I'll give that to you. Um, can, we, can we do the Steve Smith case? Sure. Wonderful longevity, great career. Um, on 98, he's arguably leading best player on the Hawks. That's a 50-win team. Uh, he's, he's up to scoring into basically 25 points uh, at, at that point in time. He's a little bit underrated as a three-point shooter. You know, he's he's shooting about 34.5%. Um, but then when he gets to, like, play with other players, just be a spot-up shooter, or, like, an O2 that jacks up to 47%. It, it's, it's a great long career. We're talking 83 career win shares. We're talking true shooting average of 653. And it's... It is the best player on a 50-win team. It's, that's that's my case for Smith. Yeah, he contributes to winning. Those Hawks teams really interesting. Um, I'd be okay with that. All right, Steve Smith, 64. You did make a good point with Reggie Theus that I didn't quite look at as much was his playmaking. Also, was that 1,000 games? Does he hit 1,000 games? Almost. I also, I when I drafted him for our Kings all-time draft, I, I took him as a point guard. He interesting. Up, he does play quite a bit of shooting guard, but for Sacramento specifically. All right. We'll, we'll put him in there at 65. We may have to revisit that at some point. Uh, but he is, he's one of the highest guys left in the Matrix. Can I give you the Phil, the Phil Smith case? You can, but I, I'm interested because I looked at... Phil Smith takes over the Golden State starting shooting guard slot after Jeff Mullins kind of slides. And I liked Jeff Mullins more, so I'm, I'm interested to see what you think with Phil Smith. For Smith, two-time All-Star, he is he is a champ in 75, but he's not playing very much. But he takes over that starting role, and they win 59 games. They win a title in 75, but that team isn't very good. Mm-hmm. Rick Barry goes, goes batshit crazy in the playoffs. I mean, he's averaging whatever amount of points. I you want to say that's Jamal Wilkes. In, 70, sorry, in, seven, in 75, the playoff numbers. One second, let me find that's a, I want to say they that's... win. 
they were 48 Jamal games. Wilkes rookie year. Yeah. Um, and, and Wilkes also has a really strong playoffs. He arguably has the second best. And like you can kind of see Wilkes taking off as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. So I think that that does help. And that's a little bit why they're not as good in the in the regular season and then better in the playoffs. Just, just a, a slight plug. <laughs> So for for Smith, they win 48 games that first season, 75. Then they would go up to 59 wins in, in 76, playing him all those minutes. I said, yeah, 75 prior, than 76. Look at my stuff together. And it, it's a huge part to do with Phil Smith being second minutes on the team, 20 points per game, almost five boards, four and a half assists. Come playoff time, him and Rick Barry are both averaging 24 points per game. Smith shooting 7% better from the... Interesting. Not catching yeah. just those votes. I think people could see that when Smith takes over for that shooting guard position, the Warriors are much better. And Barry takes a pretty significant slide come playoff time mm-hmm. from really just that season in general, from the 30 points a night he was doing in 75 to the 21 points a night. And it's it's a more balanced team. Gus Williams, even on this team, um, they end up losing in seven to the Suns. I So I was looking at the two, I was looking at him and then Jeff Mullins. Um, and it's really funny because both of them are not good. It's like 18 minutes and 14 minutes a night, the kind of shooting guard by committee during those uh, during those those playoffs. And I, and so you look and afterwards, yes, they get better with um, with Smith. But if you kind of look earlier, Jeff Mullins is kind of stabilizing the ship after Rick Barry leaves. He is one of their top scorers. There's what is it like close to 23 points a night? Uh, yeah. For 69 to 72, who it's 22 points a night, 21.8. Um, that 69 playoffs, I found this really interesting. He, in the first two games, he plays 46 and 45 minutes. Uh, he gets 36 points in game one, 20 points in game two, and then just, just drops off. I couldn't find if there was an injury there or what, but it 100% seems like an injury because he's down to 20 minutes, then 15 minutes, then 21. And then they try to put him back in in game six and play him more minutes. And he's, he's back up to 21 points. Um, I, I do think just looking at their history and kind of their waves, I think Mullins means more to the Warriors pre-Rick Barry coming back. That that would be my case for Mullins over Smith is just as an individual, he seems to contribute at a higher level and for a little bit longer than what we're seeing Smith do. All right, I'll accept it. It's a good case. All right, so if we mock locking Mullins at uh, sixty six, I take it you still still don't want to talk about Van Arsdale or Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, I, I think that. it's 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 Phil Smith time. Fine, just just fine. throw Smith right behind him, All and right. then we could do uh. So who are your next three guys? I have Michael Cooper floating around just ominously, being like, hey, I, I won Defensive Player of the Year one time. Remember me? Yeah. You're going to make me fight against a Laker, and I don't I don't like being in this position, but I'm just not ready for role players yet. I, I, yeah. I'm not ready to like, hey, let's bring in Marcus Smart. Like, we just talked about um, Jalen Brown. Like, we still have other good players that, would, if you put them on the same team, Cooper is still the role player behind these guys. How about Jason Richardson? What's the case? pretty good player he's a pretty good player very limited playoff success the one year yeah. he has it is that we believe warriors team where it's it, it's burn davis and stephen jackson he kind of takes a back seat he drops from what was it 22 points to 16 points per game um yeah, he takes a it, back it's, seat it's, and baron davis is way higher you gotta readjust your focus Nate. guys here if they have playoff success they're playing with magic johnson yeah well like you're not you're not getting like oh but what they do in the playoffs these guys aren't good enough to make this they never were 
Like they, they never were gonna thrive in those roles. They didn't have the chance to play next to great players. It wasn't gonna happen. What I can tell you though is when it does happen, they're still pretty good. In 2010, age 29, Richardson on the Suns, running with Steve Nash, first round, 23 points, seven boards, one assist. Second round, a sweep of the Spurs, 19 points, five boards, one assist. Then the conference finals versus your Lakers, 49% shooting, 16 points, four boards, one assist. If he had the chance to play next to great players, he's gonna he's gonna bring it because that's how good he always that's how good he always was. We can't really judge them on whether they're making the playoffs or not. If these guys are averaging twenty something points, twenty five something points, they're not making the playoffs. That's the Jerry Stackhouse thing. If you're getting big numbers, the team isn't good because these guys aren't that caliber. But but so in that case, shouldn't we look for the guys with the biggest numbers? Shouldn't we look for the guys that are doing the most with the least? Like like yeah, Stackhouse and Richardson don't. Neither of them have playoff successes. So yeah. then let's look at their regular seasons and who is just going to be the better player. And in my mind, Stackhouse showed he was the better player with, with that uh, 2000 season. He does a, a lift that, that we never see Jason Richardson yeah. get to. I'm almost there. there. There are other guys that like, like I have Eddie Johnson and Ricky Pierce after that. And, and those guys have are, are, are have some really nice regular seasons as well. I'm okay yeah. going. Do you want to do, how about Stackhouse? It's... 68 and then uh richardson you know what just because i want stackhouse at 69 we'll, we'll put richardson at 68 you're muted but I, i'm assuming you're laughing of course i'm laughing it's a funny joke <laughs> um although can i take that back i'm sorry sure i want to i want stackhouse at 68 and i want to make the case for dick barnett at 69 because i think you, it's you even can't, funnier you can't make this list off of jokes name you can't make this list off of joke i'm not gonna let you be a child about our list. So I, I, uh, I had I had Dick Barnett at sixty-three. Um, this is it's fun. It's fallen too far. Well, no, it's it's half the fact that his name is Dick and it's the sixty-nine joke. But I, I do want to talk about Dick uh, because he's a one-time All-Star, but he's a two-time champion, and he, he plays big minutes for the early Knicks, uh, the seventies Knicks Knicks championship team, and he's their third leading scorer throughout the regular season, second in the playoffs. You know, it's it's Willis Reed and it's Walt Frazier and it's Dave DeBusher and it's um who, who's the other guy? Uh Bill Bradley and Crazy Russell. Um, but he's kind of on that same Cassie level. Cassie Russell. Russell. I don't know why I always call him Crazy Russell. It's it's a much better nickname. His name was Crazy. That's true. But I think his real name is Cassie. Yeah, I think like it is too. First name. Uh but but he's just a, a dead eye shooter and a, a lighted up up score who also plays defense and hustle. Well, um, he he starts off in the NBA and like the, the early 60s ABA kind of has this quota of you can't have that many black players. It, it's kind of an unwritten or unspoken thing. And, and after two years, he jumps from the NBA to the ABL and wins their championship. And the ABL is this really interesting league that's forms for like a season and then six games the next year. Who are we talking about? Uh, Dick Barnett. Okay. No, that's a good case. That's a good case. Okay. I thought we were just talking about Van Arstel, and I was very confused for a second. Because he also starts on the Knicks. He plays for the Knicks. I was like, I, yeah, I switched... and then my head just did not. Okay. All right. I switched. Yeah, I switched Barnett. With, no, I'm okay with the Barnett up. case. All right. Um, 
and then so he's he's there for a year and then that league basically folds but he's one of the best players in that league they win the championship uh when he comes back to syracuse they sell his rights as a player to the lakers for $35,000, which was the highest a player rights had ever been sold for at that time in the NBA. And he's he's the the high-scoring sixth man. It's He's the, like the third best player, but he's kind of the Manu Ginobili of those, those Lakers teams. And yes, he does have some rough closeout games against the Celtics. Like, man, I could 63, his game six closeout, his 65 game six closeout, his 69. He, he has some rough series enders, but... The Knicks players and the Lakers players all speak incredibly highly of him and what he meant to those winning in teams and just his ability to score. And he has the craziest jump shot you've ever seen. Oh yeah, he like kicks his legs out under like he like jumps and like puts his knees forward and brings his feet back and it looks like he's about to sit down and then he then he flicks it fade away. Basket. Yeah, all right. Also, just a wonderful trash talker. So because you're a child, Nick uh, Dick Barnett at sixty nine. Nick Barnett, 69. Jason Richardson, 70. Gary Stackhouse, 68. All right. Are we at the point where I can talk you into uh, Dick Van Arsdale now? A lot of what you said about Reggie Theus. Yeah, sure. Making an all-star but... team on, on bad teams <laughs> applies. This is the same, very yeah. similar case. And you've got someone who is is like a good scorer. Someone who is well above true shooting averages. All right. So if we lock him in, that gives us uh, four more spots. A few interesting names. Who, who are kind of the next couple on your board? My next guy is is Ricky Pierce. I have Ricky Pierce and I have Eddie Johnson. But I think Ricky Pierce has got to be on here. He's a one-time All-Star, two-time six-man of the year. He's backing up Sidney Moncrief. In 1991, he makes that All-Star team. He has 20 points, 2.2 assists, 2.4 boards at 20 minutes per game. But he still makes the All-Star team as like a pure six-man, which I thought was really impressive. He also was traded mid-season, which again is, is really strange. But it's mostly longevity from 86 to 94. 615 games, 18 points, two assists, 2.7. It's amazing to look back at that. There are so many seasons where he misses a ton of games. Like 83, he plays 39 games. 85, 44 games. 88, 37 games. Uh, 95, 27 games, 98, 39 games. That's four years, five years. Yeah, five years, 44 or less games. And he still almost hits the thousand games played. Like that's that's a lot. I wasn't sure quite how to break it down. I, I had him and Paul Presley that I was kind of debating between who I think needs to make this list uh, because Paul Presley is the shooting guard. Pressy. There's no L. Pressy. It's, it's like 100 degrees where I'm at, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a sweat box, basically. My house yeah. doesn't have air conditioning. I'm going for an hour. <laughs> Turned off I the wall it. unit an hour ago. Just <laughs> slowly heating up. I get it. Presley's really good. I thought about him. In my like statistical top 10 thing that uh, I've been doing, he comes in in, in 1986. He comes in in like, pretty close to 10. I think he's like yeah. 12th or something because he's 14 points, like eight, eight assists and five boards. I'd be okay with either one, honestly. I think I'm, in my head, I might have been mixing them up. No, they're, the one flows into the next. Um, and it's kind of, it's Brian Winters falling into Paul Pressey, flowing into uh, Ricky Pierce. And, and they're all very similar players. Um, my, my Paul Pressey cases, I think he's the third or the fourth. Uh, he's the third guy because it's Moncrief and it's um, Terry Cummings and it's him. And they're 59, 57, 50 win teams. And Pressy is like, cool, you know, you guys are, are kind of scoring. I'm going to focus a lot more on the defense. Like he's only 14 or 15 points per game during that time. But he's, he's seven assists and he's all defensive uh, first team, two of the years and all defensive second team 
in one of the years. And so he's like, you know, I, I've got these other ways to contribute. Moncrief is not a traditional point guard. You know, he's, he's never been the highest volume passer. And Pressy really helps that out a lot. Can I, th- can I just make a quick Eddie Johnson case? Yeah. Just in case I can convince you. It's purely longevity. He plays 1,200 games at 16 points, two assists, and four boards a night. That's it. That's the entire case. He plays forever. 27 minutes a night, from 82 to 99. Can I ask, which Eddie Johnson are you uh, making this case for? There are two Eddie Johnsons. The not awful person one? This is the, the 6'7", 215, 1989 six man? Okay. He's a small forward. Ah, bullshit. Yeah, that's true. That's... So I was like, what is this Eddie Johnson case that you're about to make? Um, yeah, there was one draft in 78, one draft in 82. The 78 one is a is a shooting guard. Um, the, the so the shooting guard talking. is like the is like the serial rapist and the small forward is the not not that. I didn't dig into the the shooting guard one. He was far enough out statistically. <laughs> um, the shooting so guard one confirm did or uh, like, deny that he is a serial rapist. Yeah, the shooting guard one. Um, if you look on the small forward Eddie Johnson's page, a Wikipedia page, it says like that happening to the other Eddie Johnson, like had a huge negative impact on his life because he's like people hated him for a little bit because they thought it was me and the other because the other guy like had a bunch of issues on the off the court like drug issues in the nba and then like raped and killed this little girl when he got out um and anyways yeah yeah uh, okay I did they look that up can confirm that is the shooting guard eddie johnson that is a piece of shit not the small forward Eddie Johnson. <laughs> All right. Whom it sounds like you've got a good case for, it, but we just have to save it for that. Too time. bad, yeah. Too bad. Okay, so we have Van Arsdale was seventy first, right? Yes, Van Arsdale seventy one. Um, I got some older names. I got some. I, I've got. I've got a couple guys left uh, on my list, and, and just l- let me know if any of these names interest you. Hershey Hawkins, Danny Ainge, Ralph Beard, Frankie Bryan, Jerry Sloan. Uh, then we already talked about Paul Presley. Let's do Pressy. Let's do um, <laughs> let's do Ainge. Let's do Ainge. Okay, Ainge. Ainge. I had he's he was my sixty nine initially, which I think is equally funny. That really, there's just no fun, not way for it to be funny. Um, but like Ainge has a short five year peak. Uh, really, it's probably shorter than that. But eighty seven as a Celtic has some really big nights. You know, he's their new starting guard. Um, he's got a 30-point playoff performance. He's got a few other really big nights. He's got a 1,000-plus career games. And, and that three-point shooting in that era was hugely valuable for him. He makes an all-star team, and he plays for the Kings. That's important. That's important. He plays for the Kings at some point. He's an all-star with the Kings. Or wait, no, is it with yeah. Phoenix? No, mm-hmm. that's Boston. It's 88 with Boston that he's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. It does so seem a Ainge little bit strange is... that they trade off Danny Ainge. Uh, what do they even get for Ainge? They get Joe Klein, Ed Pinckney. It's just, just a little bit weird that he's an all-star and they're like, you know, let's trade you for Joe Klein. Okay, so Ainge is 72nd. How about Daryl Carrier? I couldn't quite get, get there with Carrier. I did get he's, to him. Dude, you gotta, if you look up him, there's like a podcast episode he's on. He is like the most Southern guy ever. Really? Like, yeah, he's from Warren County, Kentucky. College in Western Kentucky. High school in Bristow, Kentucky. Played for the Kentucky Colonels. Um, he led the league in three-point percentage his first three seasons. And these are teams that are making the playoffs. 
Yeah, his fourth year, he actually shoots better. It's just like the whole league has gotten better at threes. Yeah, those the first four years come play in in the playoffs. He's twenty one points, three assists, three point five boards in forty three games, and they make the finals in seventy one. In the seventy one finals, they lose to the Utah Stars, and he's twenty three points, three boards, and four assists. If I remember correctly, and it's been a while since I've gone over this list, but in that podcast episode, he talked about camps he used to hold, and he said that he would take like. I don't, I don't It was something like 10 threes left-handed or 100 threes blindfolded or something. And he's like, yeah, I could make, I could make 87% every time. I guarantee you that. And like, it was just awesome. I'll, I'll text you what it is after this. Or I could even listen. It's one minute long. Let's yeah. I, um, I, will, I will track down and listen to it. Um, it is, do you want to make the case for Daryl Carrier? One second. We're, we're a visual podcast now. I'm we listening have this- to something. You're talking over him. Stop it, Nate. Okay. He's, he would have... Um, he would have shooting clinics with Easy Ed McCauley, and he would tell the kids he could make 27 out of 30, and he said he did it every time from three. Is that cool? Is that cool enough? It's cool. It's cool. It's just, it's it's the early ABA um, play that, you know, it, it's a high level of early ABA play that, that teeters off rather quickly. Like, yeah. Talking 72, he plays 23 games. 73, he plays 16 games since then it's done. Like 68, 69, yeah, 70. 71. Good. Okay, but the thing is, he's already old. By 71, he's 30. Yeah. He's 30. So that's like, I feel like that's like a natural progression. And in that 71 finals, there's like Cincy Powell, Dan Issel, Louis Dampier on his team. Um, like on the other side, Willie Wise, Zemo Beattie, Ron Boone, guys we've already talked about in rank. These are, they're all ahead of him. Okay, but here's the thing. Why isn't he in the NBA? Because he wanted to play in good old Kentucky. That's that, that's the answer. He wanted to play in Kentucky. Is that is that legitimately the answer? I'm like, what was sure. He, what was he? Because he the ABA starts when he's 27, and he's not wrapped up in the college betting scandal. Like, you know, I can, I can kind of give a pass to some of these guys, but it's not like he's an unknown name. Like, in my mind, he, he gets these early ABA stats because... That there wasn't good players in the early ABA, but he doesn't make the NBA because they were like, ah, these are there are other better players that we'd rather have right now. Uh, and maybe it's the gimmick of the three-point line. And like since the NBA didn't have a three-point line and that's where he is scoring his, I mean, I guess he's getting 20 shots up a night and only four of them are from <laughs> three, but I have shooting no about why he didn't join the sh- NBA. His college stats are interesting. He was the 76th pick in 64. He averaged 26 points a night for Western Kentucky. Was he wrapped up in the, the college betting scandal? I mean, it's normally something that they list pretty heavily on guys. I don't think that would just sneak past you. Uh, he played AAU ball, which is not the same as AAU ball now. AAU ball is like, it's amateur, but it, it's like on the level of like a G League compared to the NBA. Like it, it, AAU used to be where adults played at this really high level. Hmm. Frank Ramsey led a... Led a, a finals in scoring, but an entire playoff run in scoring. How about that? You want to throw him in there? Seven-time champ? Yeah, let's, let's let's put Frank Ramsey in there. Can you give me a little bit more? Sure thing. Ramsey is the original six-man. He is pretty much credited with inventing that role. Arbach is quoted by saying that he could have come off the bench, or he could have started. He was good enough to start, but they felt that him running like the second team was most beneficial to winning, and that's what they did, and they won seven titles. Works for me. All right. Can I... Can I make the case at this point? Because um, I wanted to get this guy into the 75. He is my outside of the top 500 uh, in the Matrix pick. Uh, good old 824 in the Matrix, Ralph Beard. is. Uh, he's the the Olympian we talked about earlier. Yes. He Prior is both, both no, that, a actual right. Olympian uh, and then a Indiana uh, Olympian. 
um, back when that franchise existed. It, it's him and it's it's Alex Groza that get banned for life for um, a college point shaving scandal. And before he gets banned, I, I we were discussing this pre-pod. I just I said think about like Penny Hardaway. In the there, there was no question this guy was going to take over the league. Him and Groza were the next uh, were the next Mikan and Jim Pollard. He was the do everything wing guard to uh, to Groza's mobile pivot style, and and he's first team All NBA his second year, and he's second team his first year. It's it's a great what could have been, and it really broke him. Um, the the ramifications of cheating, which it's point shaving. It's we don't pay college kids to play basketball in this time, and so they have to do a little something to make money. And they're they're getting like more for shaving points off of one game in college than their like entire NBA yearly salary, uh, which kind of makes me wonder how it didn't get caught sooner because you kind of read about it like. Oh yeah, ten grand to shave points on this game. Like, I don't, I don't make ten grand a year. Like, yeah, of, of course I'll do that. So I, I'm very sympathetic to him, and it's just such a a high expectation, and we saw a little bit of it. He's out of the league in two seasons. The team is not overly good. Those two years, they basically just take the the Kentucky college team, who they took to the Olympics, uh, and then just throw them straight into the NBA, and they're fine. They make the playoffs. That's one of the years, both of the years. Um, the Olympians but, in 50, when the league expands out into the three, all three divisions, are they win like 51 games, like 51 and 17. The league is diluted, leaving the Lakers, the Royals, and the Olympians, Groza and Beer, to just stomp on teams that would not exist in like one season. Do you like it? You like the 54 case? I do. So 50, or, sorry, 54, 74. 74. So 75. Charles I have Charles. another name I want to make a case for. Okay, I don't like any of the names left, so I'm really interested to see what you have. Uh, Frankie Bryan, the original Flash. Okay. Which, I, I forgot to check when Marvel Comics came up with the Flash, but like I gotta imagine the Flash was either brand new or, or what. I guess Flash is DC Comics. When was he invented? Tell me. Oh, 39. Okay, so maybe he wasn't the original Flash, but he's, he's pretty close. Um, so Frankie Bryan is on one of those teams that gets crushed and is out of the league, the Anderson Packers. But do you know how they did the 50s playoffs? Not off the top of my 1950. head, no. They have three divisions, and, and they decide that they're going to do four teams from each division, and the one's going to play the four, the two's going to play the three, then they're going to go up... And that, that ends with three teams having won their basically division or what we look at today as conferences. And then they're like, okay, the team with the best record then gets a bye and the other two teams have to play. So it's a very weird way to do um, the playoffs. And his team did not get the bye, but he, he gets his team to kind of the, the semifinals. It's it's very weird. Um, and he's by far the best player. And like the rest of that team, I think only two guys are still in the league the next year. Um, and then he gets, of course, picked up by the Tri-City Blackhawks, which were also just god-awful. And he is by far their best player. The year Can I after- make the case that he should be higher, actually? Sure. Just just looking at it, I mean, we didn't really acknowledge the... He's all NBL second team in 48, and then 49 all NBL first team, and they win the NBL championship. So even looking at just the NBA stuff... So I, I don't like the 49 NBL stuff, because... Um, it's it's kind of a really weak time for that league. That is when the leagues flip um, because the NBA has stolen half the good teams. They've taken yeah. the Lakers. They've taken the Royals. Like it's basically just Syracuse 
Um, and, but is it worth being better than than Ralph Beard? Just one, just flipping that because it, it's like four seasons no. of it's like four seasons of existing over two. It it is four seasons of existing. Um, it's it's just it's not quite as high in my mind and yeah. looking at it. Maybe, I, maybe I don't know. I mean, I mean, Brian is a, is a two time All NBA second team in fifteen fifty one and fifty. Beard is in the league. He's not an all star, or he, I don't think it existed yet. One second. No, he's he's not a he's not all NBA. Is what I meant. Beard is all NBA both years that he's in the league. I don't see that. I don't. I don't see that. I see just first team in fifty one. What, what are you looking at? Look at his, look at his stuff, man. I'm looking at Basketball Reference. He's <laughs> he's second team in fifty. Who do you see as the second teamers in fifty? One second. I think you're right. Why? I think his Wikipedia is just actually wrong. That's interesting. Some of my teachers said not to not to, not to trust to Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Holy shit! This is the first time ever I've been like that's actually wrong. Yeah, it just says uh, all NBA first team in 1950. That is it. Huh? Weird. Anyways, well that throws out my case of just misinformation. Well, it's it's a it's a weird time in the league. Um, but but after that, he kind of goes on and he's with the the Pistons and the Pistons in the fifties make the finals a couple of times. Um, and in fifty five, like Larry Faust and George Arley kind of fall apart in the finals, but they, it still goes seven games because Frankie Bryan just turns back the clock and games two through six. He is the best piston. Like he is consistently over those games. Yeah, Faust has a good game. Yeah, Yarley has a good game here and there. But like Frankie comes out of kind of nowhere and just has this this huge um, huge impact for them. So it, it's early, but it's um, it, it's really good basketball. I would just say like slightly less good and less of a peak, less of potential than uh, than what Ralph Beard showed us. I think he's a great seventy fifth spot. Perfect. Also, fun fact: he is Robert E. Lee Pettit's. Uh, cousin. That's just brutal, man. That's not a good look on Bob Pettit at all. It really isn't. No. I, I was talking to like, like I was talking to my brother about how Dolph Shays' real name was Adolf, and I'm like, yeah, but he wasn't named after Adolf Hitler. I guess that was just a name that people had at the time. That dude is Robert E. Lee Pettit. Like, they, I don't even know who knows that. Was his middle name Lee before? Like, they were like, no, it has to be the full name. That's insanity. He's just another dude's name with his last name t- attached to it. it. It's like, why have the E? Like, he could be Robert Lee Pettit. But no, though, they're like, we don't want any confusion about this. <laughs> this is the and Confederate like, general. No qualms. There is a fair amount of, like, mixed reporting um, as to whether or not he was rather racist. Uh, but, like, the Hawks organization was rather racist at the time. Uh, they, they, like, drove out a good number of black players. And they are the last all-white team to win a championship. Uh, and that, none of that has anything to do with Frankie Bryan. But, <laughs> so I don't win shit afterwards. Yeah, no, it's like, oh. Oh shit! We're gonna limit ourselves to just white players. I, I yeah. wish I could remember the exact school, but it was college football was desegregated at one point because that like a black team came and played an all white team and fucking smoked, and they were like, "Damn!" Like, and it was like you know, it's a big, it was a big deal in the South to have like your college football team lose. Like, maybe, maybe we should reconsider some things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the best way to end racism is is putting together a good sports team. I mean. That's that's how the NBA got segregated. Was shit. We can't beat Mike in. Oh hey, the Globetrotters just beat Mike in. Maybe, maybe we should get some of them yeah. on on our team. Like yeah. So early basketball is uh, touchy at best, but I do think that it, we need to at least look at and consider because man, if we're looking at a guy that led a team to 
kind of the finals like the the pre-finals because it's this weird three you know the, the uh, a conference finals like we would consider him really good nowadays and if then he took over in a final several years later when he's near the end of his career that would be something that we talk about i mean just trying to think of like a, a mod- you know if chris paul this next year just takes over for golden state in the finals you're like holy cow i did not see this coming uh, and it's really good like that would add so much to his legacy and that's kind of what frankie Bryan did but because it's 58 and we're we just <laughs> before we go jalen brown at 51 did we want to move him above michael red like we talked about mm, how high do you want to move him i feel like he's better than world be free but it's not too far because randy smith is good i'm i can get him i can get him up a little ways i can get him over or um ron boone richie gurren maybe not richie yeah you want to do below birdsong no no he's got to be below you know i i think i think you're right maybe ralph smith is as high as as i'm i'm willing to go yeah okay is it I, randy smith ralph or smith. ralph that, that is two people you're combining into one person is it ralph simpson or randy smith uh it is ralph smith i i don't that's, just looking that's, at that's it i think not a per- that's not a person nate the person doesn't exist you're combining two people which one randy is it? smith randy smith yes it is randy smith is a person it is ten thousand degrees in here i am podcasting from the sun <laughs> we're, we're almost done okay so Jalen Brown below or above him? Above Smith, below Donnie Freeman. He becomes our new 48. Michael Red drops down to 50. He'll be free as 50. All right, to let Nate go turn his AC back on, let me read what we've done God today. 51 you. is Michael Red, then Paul Seymour, Tom Gola, Jeff Hornacek, Doug Collins, Victor Oladipo, Reggie Lewis, Dan Marley, Ron Harper, 60s Byron Scott, Fred Brown, Jim Paxson, Alan Houston, Steve Smith, Reggie Theus, Jeff Mullins, Phil Smith, Jerry Stackhouse, Dick Barnett, 70 is Jason Richardson, Dick Van Arsdale, Danny Ainge, Frank Ramsey, Ralph Beard, 75 is Frankie Bryan. Tune in next episode for the small forwards. Guys like Andre Karolinko, Gordon Hayward, Jared Wallace, Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen is going to be on there. (laughs) He's going to be on there. The Spurs were playing him like 49 minutes a game. They were. It was him and Duncan. They never left the court. I cannot watch those games. Yeah, that's not true. That's that's just, just factually not true. Don't listen, Nate. I'm not trying to be fact checked. Okay, I'm just. <laughs> so these are alternative facts. It's better. It, they play. He plays more minutes than Cooper for these for championship teams. O three is 31 minutes a game. O five is 35 minutes a game. O seven is 34 minutes a game. I think he's he's second. Like O five, um, they win 59 games. Come playoff time, he is third in minutes. It just matters that he was always out there. I don't. I don't think he'll be yeah. in, in the 75th, but uh, he'll get in there. I think small forward is also a deeper position like shooting guard is um it's weak also like some names we didn't bring up in today's podcast uh zach levine cj mccullough Ooh, I... so, some you know are we really gonna sit here and say that alan houston is 60 shooting or 30 shooting guards better than zach levine i i don't know at, at the moment yes at this point though but... at this point everything is massive the smallest of differences yeah one less all-star team gets you 50 spots pushed back. Yeah. I always like to kind of think of it as like a pyramid, you know, for shooting guards. You yeah. got like the Jordan tier. That That is A. The Kobe tier is is B. And I don't think there's anyone else on the Kobe tier. But then you've got like a mm-hmm. a Wade and Harden. And, and while I think there is a pretty clearly Wade than Harden, you know. It's Wade than Harden. Then it's like Iverson and Gervin and Trexler. And then it's like, it keeps going. And by the yeah. time we get to this like godforsaken place, yeah. it's pretty massive. The, the tier right, for these Nate. guys could be like 30, 40 guys deep. But yeah. Aaron, where can the people find you? Possible chairs on TikTok. 
find me at the Hoops Temple Pod on TikTok or just Hoops Temple Pod on TikTok. Also, email us at hoopstemple at gmail.com. Love to hear from you, hear your thoughts. Uh, yeah, check the email every day. Hit me up. 